when I got the call from the curator, it was an immediate connection to who she was and what her vision was. And we've actually become friends through doing this. And I believe in connections when the opportunity is right. And Mm -hmm. that's what this was. Mm -hmm. It was the right opportunity for the time. So I'll keep posting it and keep making it. Exactly. Definitely. What was her vision? I'm so curious to hear that. She's a historical curator in in the Delft Square. And I think she could see that there weren't, she needed a flower presence in the show Mm -hmm. because those were, they were flower, they're flower towers and they're filled with flowers. So paper flowers, you can't put water in these objects. So paper flowers Mm -hmm. became an immediate click on what could represent the natural world show. Welcome to season two of the Paper Talk podcast, where we have candid conversations with artists and industry leaders from around the world. Our goal is to share knowledge, connect our community, and elevate the artistry of our craft. Hi, I'm Jessie Chu. Hello, I am Quinn Nguyen, and we are the founders of the Paper Florist Collective. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Paper Talk. Have you ever dreamed of having your botanical art on a museum wall? Well, our friend Ann Wood of Woodlucker did, and today she's here to talk to us about how she turned her dream into a reality. If you love flowers or paper art, you've likely at some point come across Anne's work like we did. Yes. Her attention to details <laughs> and her ability, just her ability to use paper, paint, and other mediums that most of us don't use, would never have thought of using. But to capture the essence of everyday flowers, it really just makes her art so incredibly unique. And also handcrafts paper feathers, insects, and fruits and vegetables. I swear. Mind-blowing, you guys. Mind-blowing. If you're bored. Yeah, like, it's so juicy. I know. (laughs) Your fruits are so juicy. They look so lifelike. (laughs) And I'm always looking at them and trying to figure out, oh my gosh, what medium does she use for that? But I mean, just following your work, the colorfulness of it, the aesthetic, it's very defined it's very mature and sophisticated and so you won't be able to miss it if you are on instagram or on social media or if you had the privilege of reading martha stewart as well because yes. Anne had a spread there so welcome Anne, to our podcast we're thrilled yes. to have you here thank you so much for giving us a little bit of your afternoon let's start by introducing you to our listeners you had a lovely conversation with jennifer jewel on the cultivating place sorry cultivating place podcast where you went into quite some depth about your background, your childhood, why and how you turned in towards botanical artistry. But you've talked a lot about that. So do you mind giving us just in a nutshell uh, how you started making paper botanicals? And then we'll go from there and talk about a little bit more about the process of your botanical wall. Well, I've been an artist for 30 years and I've had all sorts of businesses that have been in the fine crafts arena where I've done wholesale to galleries and shops. I've made one of a kind work that I've sold to collectors. I've, I've written grants to support my work. I've done outdoor craft shows all over the United States. And what happened was, and this is actually something I haven't talked about, is <laughs> my dad what, and my, all four of my husband's parents, they all got really sick and at the end of their lives. And my dad was really an old farmer and he was commenting on the plants. And that just seemed like such a key for me that I wanted to do something super connected. At that time, I was doing a fashion blog for 
women over 40 and was involved in community, a global community of women. And I, I kind of hit the point where I could have done, uh, that was rolling along real good. I was getting offers for to do things for TV and print. And I decided that that really wasn't what I was meant to do, that art was the thing. So I stopped that. But what I learned in, in there, that social media became real interesting to me. That mm-hmm. was just the blog platform before Instagram. And I started sharing my husband and I's work on Instagram. And then one of my followers said, well, that feather you made in that picture out of paper was really interesting, Anne. And I thought, you know, she has a point. So I started following you know, some of you guys, some of the other great people that are making paper and thinking, I have a degree in fine art and I'm going to give myself permission to explore plants in the most fullest way that I can. So I live in Minneapolis. It's super cold here in the winter. And I started, I'm a gardener. So I started with some of my plants in my own garden and have been working on dissecting plants and making them in three dimensions out of all types of material, not not crepe paper, but I had a lot of handmade paper left from other projects. Like I have a whole huge flat file of it. And I started with that. And then I, I use whatever it takes to make the plant or object seem alive. Amazing. Your choice of your medium and how you manipulate it is just mind-blowing. Just mind-blowing. Your dirt, your roots, the leaves of just everything. <laughs> well, that comes from my background as a mixed media painter. Ah. So my interest in painting was using all the materials I could, no matter what it was, from a pipe cleaner to dirt to whatever I needed to transform an object into the feeling that I wanted. So my plants that I make have all that history of all those years of creating in in the process that I've mm-hmm. developed. And I think that shows through your work because a lot of, well, when I look at your, especially your fruits, and I know that you had described to Jennifer in the podcast about how you made it look translucent. And like I said, juicy, mm-hmm. it's translucent right. and using, you know, tissue paper and then layering and layering and layering. Mm-hmm. And just that, the fact that you said permission, I think that's something that a lot of quote unquote, crafters don't have or don't feel that they have. They don't feel confident that they can use anything they want. Yeah. They feel defined by the paper, being a paper florist, paper artist. And maybe they haven't seen or had that type of experience with using different mediums and then saying, you know what, why not? I really, I really love that conversation you had with Jennifer. I really did because I think it can, a lot of us connect with not feeling we have permission, you know, not feeling we have the privilege to say, oh, I want to just use whatever I I want. We're kind of defined by this box, but you saying, no, I have all this experience and this is what it came down to. This is my destiny. This is like everything that I have that I know has made me be able to transform this piece of paper, this whatever, using whatever medium into this alive, like literally something that's alive, that looks alive at least. Mm-hmm. Um, so powerful. I think our listeners, I think their listeners would be yeah. really inspired by that, knowing that, yeah. you know, at some point, maybe 
30 years down the road, um, <laughs> they can become and would as well. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think creativity is a journey. It has been for me. I mean, if I, I believed when I was five years old that my most comfortable home was being creative. And I was lucky enough to have a mom and my dad both that, that like said, okay, start, start trying some of this stuff. And that's believing that creativity is a journey rather than an ends, I think allows for mistakes and richness and taking along all the chapters of your life into the book of who you are. So rather than being, I mean, so goal orientated, it's like what skills do you kind of gather as you're in this journey through making stuff? And how can you develop a toolbox of things that give you like little confidences in like, oh, I figured out how to use this paint in this way. Well, that was 10 years ago. Well, I can pull on that when I'm doing the surface on a watermelon. Mm -hmm. So it's about an accumulation of tools. I love that. Yeah, because I think every person pathway is different. And right. you can aspire to be an Anne Woodlucker, but I think you'll have your own version of it because every right. person experience will be different. Their learning habits, what they encounter and what they do, you can mimic, but it's, you're always going to put your own stamp. And that, I think that's one of the right. freeing thing about our industry is everyone can make a dahlia. It's going to look completely different because every hand is going to, their thickness of their hands, their their fingerprints of what they dabbled in the past will create a very different dally because, you know, Jesse Dahlia's might is different. Your dally is different. My dally is different. And I just love that because every flower, a fresh flower has its own fingerprint and it looks completely different from its even its own little plant. And you can see several different versions of that dahlia. And I think it's freeing. It's like, don't be stuck in this one habit of creating that perfect dahlia. It'll be perfect in your head and you should mimic and do that and be inspired by everyone else. And I I really love that message that you're coming across. It's like your experience will bring out who you are. Yeah. And I don't know if you guys experienced this, but I've, you know, I've got, I I work now only from, I started out looking at photographs and botanical prints, like historical botanical prints, but that became too limiting. I couldn't see all the tiny stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, like, I love that point when you're working on something and then all of a sudden you got it and you have the real thing and you mm-hmm. look at it and your eye gets tricked. <laughs> yes. Like, oh, which one is real? Like, this one I know. I mean, and some of them don't make it to that point. I mean, yeah. they are kind of their own fantasy sort yeah. of different thing. But when they do, like, there's a certain satisfaction oh, in yeah. that that I like, oh, that's exciting. It is. You gotta laugh. The best thing is like when you go across Instagram, you're looking, it's like, oh my God, is that real? Is that paper? What? Let me look at it again. (laughs) It's just Uh a surprise. And I I think that's why I love doing paper flowers so much is because you have that ability to achieve that level of like realism. And it's so much fun and challenging. I love the challenge. It's the ultimate challenge. Yes. And it is <laughs> endless amounts of possibilities. I mean, we've been walking around outside a lot more during the pandemic, and it's like, oh, moss, stick, you know, grass. <laughs> like, it's just like it wanted to be a flower. Birds. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I know all of you are listening.
listening and you're a paper artist, you know exactly how we are feeling right now. It's like that <laughs> process is like, for a while, it's like, ooh, look at the veining. Look at how it merges together. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like every walk that you go out, it probably takes you twice, three times yeah. as long because you're stopping every time to like l- really look, like really look at your surrounding. And I yeah, think that's yeah. the beauty of actually doing what we do is it changes the way you see the world. Yeah, you know, yes. you begin to notice things that you used to take for granted. And I think you see more beauty in the world as well. And I don't know if it's because you're picking up on it or you're just you're just noticing a little bit more. And yeah. slowing down. I think that's really important, especially during this COVID time when mm-hmm. you really can't socialize with other people. Focusing on the little things, it really makes it so much better. Yeah. So let's talk about your dream, because not everybody has this very, very specific dream. (laughs) Um, I love it. (laughs) Yeah. And I, you know, obviously you have all this background and you've done so many things. Why at this point in your life did you decide, you know what, I want my goal in the next couple of years is to create 500 plus flowers to be placed and hung on a wall in a museum. Very, you're very specific about it being a museum as a part, as opposed to an art gallery. Right. How did it come about? Tell us a little bit more about Actually, what's in your head. What is your thought of between an art gallery <laughs> and a museum? Well, an art gallery more than likely has a sales component to it. And then a museum is more of a curation component. So a museum is about the interaction with specific artwork with the art context of the other things that it's around. And I've done work for galleries and, you know, been offered situations to build all the wall, put the wall in other public spaces. But I wanted it all together. I didn't want to let it go before I was done. Mm. And for me, I envisioned myself, this did not happen because of COVID, my high heels on the terrazzo floor, walking up to it, <laughs> and there it is. And that's been, it's been harder than at first when I knew I couldn't go to not go now. But, you know, I've had a wonderful relationship with a curator, which she found me on Instagram through the hashtag. And the show that I'm in is about the blue and white deathware oh, that yes. is made by in the Netherlands and in England and was traded between countries. The show has work from all over Europe and my wall represents the objects that would have been held in these giant flower towers, which the museum has purchased, was a big purchase for them for their collection. And the three gorgeous pieces are in a case. And then my wall is right behind it. It puts the context for why those were made. That completely makes sense, actually. Mm -hmm. To me, the way that you described it in terms of why you envisioned it in a museum as opposed to an art gallery, the context is really interesting. You mentioned about knowing when you were done. So how did you know you were done with the wall? Well, I'm still not done yet. So, I mean, and I thought I had 300 pieces, but when it came time to pack it all, I really had only 150 which was kind of like, oh my, I thought I had more. But <laughs> you looked at it and it's, boy, it looks like 300. Oh, we yeah, did a quick it does. Pan, but yes. it, it, you know, I think I'll be done when I know I'm done. And I would like this, my wall, to expand more to mm-hmm. even a larger statement. And I probably will be working on it a couple more years. So we'll see. I, I'm not going to put any boundaries around it yet. I I know I want to make a huge statement that nature is so much variety in nature. It's so beautiful. It's 
so worth highlighting and it can be shared. So I love the way that nature touches it, us all and that it's a common ground to all of us. That's really, I think, what my, my wall speaks, speaks about is the beauty of nature and uh, um, like, why would this person do this too? I mean, I kind of like the mystery behind like, why would someone build all these things? I love that. So did you have to put together like an artist statement? on what your exhibit was? No. The curator from the Kunst Museum in The Hague, Netherlands, she was looking for what I had. Mm-hmm. And she found me in on Instagram. I asked her that and I looked at my phone and my phone one morning, it says the Netherlands. And I picked it up. <laughs> it was this amazing woman who throughout the backstory on anything that goes to a museum is the incredible amount of work it takes to design an exhibition, curate all the objects, deal with all the artists. I was, my flight to go, my work got over there three days before everything shut down and in customs and it made it to the museum and I was unable to go I mean, I was right on that line. Do we, I would have gotten uh, over there and not been able to get back into the U.S. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's, wow. that's heartbreaking pretty, uh, not to be able to see it on the wall yourself. And I was scheduled to, Dean and I were going to fly over and install it, which would have yeah. taken a couple of days. And what ended up happening is they hired a professional installer for because I wasn't there to do it. And then mm-hmm. we ended up, you know, Amsterdam, Netherlands is on the other side of the world. So we mm-hmm. were up all night on the computer sending installation pictures and that we would do in Photoshop of all the pieces on where everything went. Uh, we did that a couple of nights all night. While wow, they, amazing. While four people started putting things up and moving mm-hmm. them around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I didn't, I, I mean, the thing I learned, if you're going to, show something globally, I need a hard copy plan that anyone can do. Mm -hmm. And I mean, our crates were set up where anyone can pack them, but but I was planning on, I could not imagine me not being there. (laughs) Definitely. And thank you so much for sharing your behind the scenes process of packing and also them unpacking it because that was so revealing on how effective and how careful the museum was in making sure your product arrived to the Netherlands, because that's thousands and thousands of miles that is blown across water and you never know what will happen. It was in a large crate, right? I think that's what was in your stories. Right. All museums have, especially in an international show, they have a art handlers. Now there's art handlers all over America, moving art in unmarked trucks all the time, which is Kind of interesting to think about. Yeah. And um, I have had, there's two companies here in Minneapolis. I've had one move our work to shows and another one, I, I socially knew the guy and he'd really built up a wonderful business. So I knew him personally and he, he came over and we decided like, how would this, I mean, it's a 500 pound crate and each thing is a big tray that mm-hmm. holds about 15 to 20 pieces. And they're, they have little pillow beds that we made <laughs> and then they're tied in there with pipe yeah. cleaners very loosely, all archival. It's all able to be stored for long periods of time in these boxes museum quality storage and that's something that the museum 
pays for in this type of situation. So then, I mean, then the crate is taken to the Minneapolis airport, guided through customs with an art handler. They fly it to the Netherlands and it meets an international art handler. And then they escort it through customs and then it's driven to the museum by the art handler that's in the Netherlands. Wow. So what a fun all these, job. I was, I was pretty nervous about it. I've sure. never done anything to this scale before. And I'm hoping that there's, even though it doesn't seem really possible right now, that I can go over there and pack it up. Because the show got extended by three months because of COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, I would love to be able for Dean and I to go over and pack it in the crate, but I really don't have hope we'll be doing it. So if you guys are one of the lucky ones in the Netherlands, in Europe, go see her work and take pictures and share it because it's just amazing just to see small glimpses of it. I wish I could actually, I was planning to being in the Netherlands actually in October to see your exhibit and that's not going to happen either. <laughs> yes. Oh, just a pause of silence it's for a just... moment. <laughs> I can only imagine yeah. like your your dream and also this is your baby you know all your flowers are your baby not being physically there to handle I, I mean I, even though I'm sure they're very professional I saw they were wearing gloves and they yes. were very very oh, careful yeah. it's yeah. still I mean you as an artist as you know those when you envision yourself being there and not being able to be there yeah but you know what this, I mean, there are other museums and other mm-hmm. opportunities yes. and you're still working on, um, you know, all your flowers. So I'm sure that there's going to be, you know, another opportunity for you to wear those heels and actually see it right in front yeah. of you. Maybe in the United States. <laughs> there's there's so many museums in the oh, United no. States as well. Yeah. Oh gosh. Is there a wish museum that if you could take your exhibit and put it in the U.S. somewhere? Because there would be a huge line of people just to come see it in the U.S. Yes. And to say it, we will share it. Yes. <laughs> oh. Well, my favorite museum in the United States is Mexico. Mm. Oh, yeah. That one is amazing. That would be the ultimate dream. But, you know, hey, I've always trusted the people. When I got the call from the curator, it was an immediate connection to who she was and what her vision was. And we've actually become friends through doing this. And I believe in connections when the opportunity is right. And mm-hmm. that's what this was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was the right opportunity for the time. So I'll keep posting it and yeah. keep making it. Exactly. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> what was her vision? I'm so curious to hear that. She's a historical curator in, in the Delftware. And I think she could see that there weren't, she needed a flower presence in the show. Mm-hmm. Because those were, they were flower, they're flower towers and they're filled with flowers. So paper flowers, you can't put water in these objects. So paper flowers mm-hmm. became an immediate click on what could represent the natural world in the show. Mm-hmm. How interesting. There's I another know. way for us to sell our paper flowers, sell as in sell our story. Yeah. And I mean, we're always talking about incorporating it with fresh florals, but in hospitals, obviously, when because of pollen. Right. But this is very interesting as well, because like you said, museum objects, you're not water in them. And these are objects that are antique and very valuable. How interesting. Wow. Yeah, love it. Yeah, I think a hospital installation would be very interesting, too. I've had several conversations about that, but it hasn't been the right mm-hmm. one yet. But the idea that people could, I spend a lot of time in hospitals myself with my parents, that people could come down with their loved one. And you guys know this, 
how much that flowers have specific meanings to memories. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I love that the conversations that can develop around a zinnia or a mm-hmm. daffodil or there's something really special about that. It yeah. really is. Oh, my, my, my mind is exploding right now. <laughs> Absolutely. The possibilities are yeah. endless. <laughs> it is. It really is. I love that so much. And I, I love that our art craft can be displayed in special events. Hospitals are really important from art galleries to commercials because they don't need to be in water. It'll stay exactly perfect how you make it and they can be manhandled a lot more than fresh flowers Mm -hmm. where they have to be always have some sort of force for water unless it's a a drying flower. Mm -hmm. But I mean, there's endless possibility. If you can think it, I really believe that you can make it. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I I think this is a movement of the the paper art that the paper, especially the paper florals, this is a new movement. And it's exciting to be mm-hmm. part of what are the possibilities that yeah. are available for all of us to dream up in the next yeah. 10 years. I think we just thought of a new hashtag, paper movement. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to start using that. I love that. That is just, it just resonates with me so much. Because, you know, Jesse and I are about pushing our industry to be bigger and better and making a stamp in the world that paper artists is a thing. And we love that you are part of it. We're going to pull you in because I think you are such an important leader and forethinker and also person that represents the community in such a way that is so wonderful. Well, thank you. I know that you mentioned that in a couple of years, you'll be done with this botanical wall. Have you already? Maybe. Maybe. (laughs) I mean, have you started the next process? Like even the tiny thought of like, hey, when I'm done with this, where am I going next? Because I feel like your career has evolved so much in the several past decade from different mediums to now the botanical part. Your Mm -hmm. feathers are just fantastic. And I feel I saw your birds. And that's like another piece that is like, oh, I hope you continue on with that. <laughs> oh, I'm, I got more to do with it in Yay. the bird language. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> so what is your next step after that? Uh, you know, I have, I grew up sewing. That's how I first learned how to think three-dimensionally. And I, I have a real interest in embroidery also. Mm. I've done oh. embroidered paintings and embroidery and art and so I don't know I I maybe when I'm done with this I'll explore something in embroidery I'm trying to give myself the freedom to really I mean that's how I pick whatever I'm going to work on I have to be really excited about it you know some things more than others but I have to look at this thing and think this is really going to be a challenge so that's what I'm looking for right now is to find things that are challenging that don't turn in make it into a job Mm, yes. Mm-hmm. I love that there's so many things interest you. Maybe that I keeps know. life interesting. I love you know, that. Just a little bit like, oh, that's interesting. And then it's like you said, you, it, some, it turns into something else. Like, obviously, yeah. it's not right away, but having mm-hmm. just even interest in those things and participating in something like Instagram. And honestly, you're not by any means old. I think actually you're, I actually think that, I mean, you it's age, unfortunately, that gives us the maturity and sophistication in our work, right? And that confidence in your work because it comes mm-hmm. through, it shines. So every time you take a photo, and I know that you have such an eye as well for photography because you, I understand, you also have background in photography, but it's that, it's that what that young people are missing. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's what makes your art interesting. It's all of that history. It's all of your experience. It's all of those 
you know, 50, 60 years. That's what makes your art interesting. So I'm so, I'm, I'm so like happy to see you and other mature artists on Instagram because I think Instagram would be poor without it. Our feed would be poor without it. You know, I, so I think it's an asset if anything, but I mean, that's my, <laughs> I love it. hundred percent agree with you, Jesse, on that. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Anne, for spending with us. I know. Uh, we love learning about you. Uh, we learn, love talking to you about your botanical art, your passion, your dream. I think it's, like I said, a lot of us have dreams, but yours, yours came true. And I think it's going to turn into something bigger as well. And we're so lucky. Yeah, we're so lucky to be able to follow you yeah. and see it come true into, into reality. And we're thrilled to have you on as a member, really, of our industry. And you're such a huge, you're such a huge name as well. Mm-hmm. In, huge. In, yes. in paper art. Paper it, art. If so you just drop your name, everyone's like, oh my God, it's Anne. <laughs> yeah, it's just, we're so flattered that you have any interest in our work. <laughs> you guys are, you both are so talented. And I mean, I couldn't imagine to do things for a bride. I mean, that, I could never do that. I am horrible at commissions. I, I'm really bad at commissions. That's just not my thing. And to see that you guys doing that, like Quinn, I could, I remember your bouquet last a couple of days ago, you know, you just put the finishing touches on there and I can, it's so beautiful. And I can imagine, you know, someone getting this, what you made and just like, Oh my God, this is for me. Like there's like that. And you get to be part of that day. They're very special day. It's a real gift. What you, what you all do. And it's, I couldn't do it. That's why I admire it so much. It's, it's a beautiful, it's just a beautiful way to use your creative talent. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> I know, I'm like stunned. Thank you so I much, Anne. <laughs> I was going to say, I think that's it. <laughs> Anne's made yeah. our day. No, well, and it's, it's great to it. talk to you guys. I mean, I haven't been out of the house in several months, so it's like, oh, it's really, really nice. Thank you so much for being on our podcast. 